Today is week five in our conversation around praying. We continue a series called Teach Us to Pray. And my hope is that in the last uh, five weeks is that if nothing else, this would compel you uh, to know that A, we need prayer because we need God in our lives daily, and B, that we would intercess, we would pray on the behalf of others with the confidence and the faithfulness and the understanding that when we pray, God hears, God listens. It may not be an exact way that we are praying or desiring or wanting. Maybe the outcome looks a little bit different from what we're picturing. But nonetheless, we have faith and we believe that when we pray, God moves. And remember, sometimes the, the way that God answers your prayers is by not answering it at all. So if sometimes it feels like God is, is not listening or God is ignoring you, but perhaps uh, God is in the midst of moving pieces that we can't even see and orchestrating safety measures or blessings or protection over you and others. And so this morning, we continue in that series, and we talk about the idea of forgiveness. And as our leaders and our volunteers were uh, gathering this morning, we talked about how nuanced this conversation is around forgiveness and receiving forgiveness and, and offering forgiveness. And my hope, again, is that uh, this is also something you would pray about and to dig deeper about, read scripture, talk to your community, friends, myself, other pastors. Because my hunch is that as people have walked into this room or watching, forgiveness is is something that we're all navigating, whether it's ourselves or forgiveness of others or even receiving forgiveness of God. And so with that said, as we have been, we are um, in Matthew chapter 6, chapter six uh, and, and what I'm going to do this morning is we're just going to read the Lord's Prayer, uh, but we are going to focus on the part where Jesus teaches about asking to forgive others and for forgiveness of ourselves. So here's what the Lord, what the Lord says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be, thy na- hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. God, thank you. First and foremost, for your own forgiveness for us. Your own sacrificial, radical forgiveness that releases all of our wrongdoings. We thank you for your body and blood that was shed for us. And the victory over death, and we call Easter. So may we receive that victory over death, over shame, over sin, and may we also extend that to others. In your name we pray, amen and amen. In 2016, uh, I led a, I guess I would say I co-led a trip uh, with other Bethany pastors and other uh, congregants uh, on a trip to Rwanda. Uh, and it's a little bit different from what you would imagine uh, is oftentimes considered a mission trip. Uh, we call this a, a learning opportunity or uh, something that's more relational uh, than typical mission trips. 
Uh, and so we went, and the idea is for us to learn and to be in fellowship with other pastors uh, in Rwanda. So we flew into Kigali, which, was, which is the capital of Rwanda, and then we drove about two hours north of that uh, into a little village uh, called Muzanze. Uh, and there was a lot of local pastors working to impact the community. And I remember going there, and the person that was kind of our liaison, our, our group leader, our local leader from World Relief, by the way, another organization that we give to uh, locally and globally, uh, said, okay, I want you to get to know the children. I want you to get to know the families. But there's one rule that I need you to understand is that we don't ask about the history of the genocide. Now, in 1994, for those of you that are old enough, uh, you may remember uh, that there was a genocide in Rwanda where they estimated between 800,000 to a million lives were lost, starting from April, within 100 days. 100 days. And it was a long uh, battle of, of tribal and civil war, particularly around the Hutus and the Tutsis. And again, if you've seen the movie Hotel Rwanda, uh, that gives you a little bit of a picture of what that might have been like. Uh, and it was one group, uh, the, the Hutus, who killed uh, in very violent ways, uh, again, 800 to a million Tutsis, uh, and alongside other Hutus that were moderate or sympathetic to uh, the Tutsis. And so the rule, the number one rule is that when you go there, we can ask questions, uh, we could, you know, uh, provide help, we can receive help, but the number one rule is not to ask about what happened in April of 1994, unless they bring it up first. And so it was interesting because the trip was so impactful. We learned on how they gave and how they experienced reconciliation, how they served their own communities, how the pastors who, who were pastors who were teaching the gospel also were teaching about how to wash their hands and sanitation and, and, and all these other things. It was, it was amazing. But the one conversation that I'll never forget was this seemingly random conversation I had uh, with our driver. We had a driver that would chug us along to different uh, sites. And it was in the evening, he was dropping us off, and we just happened to have a conversation in the patio. And he brought up his experience in what happened in 1994. If I remember correctly, he was around 10 or 12 years old. So he was young, but he remembered everything. And, and uh, although he didn't say what tribe or affiliation his family was from, he told me this story where he himself witnessed his mom, his dad, and his brother being killed right before his very eyes. And somehow, by the grace of God, he was able to run away and hide. And for whatever reason, he was the one that got away. And as I was talking to him, I can see tears in his eyes. And he said, you know what, Prentice? Even though I saw that and experienced that, I forgive them. I mean, I remember sitting there talking with him. I was angry on behalf of him. I was sad. 
I was bitter. I was resentful on behalf of him. And yet, even though this was his experience, he looks at me and says, in all of those things, in all of my experiences, I forgive them. And again, I've learned so much that week that I was there. But it was at that very moment I learned something that will forever change my life. That was about forgiveness. And that forgiveness is possible in all circumstances. And I know many of us were, again, walking in this room, and forgiveness is a hard topic because many of us, we've, we've been wronged. And so the question is, Prince, you don't understand what that person did to me. You don't understand what I've been through. And yet you're asking me to extend forgiveness to that person who harmed me. And the reality is, yes, I am. Yes, there's nuance, there's context, which we'll go over. But the idea of forgiveness is something that we can give up, that we all have the power to give, no matter what. And sometimes the hardest person to forgive in our entire life is not the other, but it's ourselves. And it's this weird ecosystem that because we can't forgive ourselves, it's really hard to forgive others. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's impossible to forgive others, and therefore it's impossible to forgive ourselves. And so it's this vicious cycle of unforgiveness until we understand what Christ has done for us. And we leave that vicious cycle of unforgiveness. We step aside for a moment and we understand what God did for us with the person of Jesus, that sacrificial love and forgiveness on our behalf on the cross. And then we take that into this vicious cycle and now we have something to break that cycle by receiving God's forgiveness, then to extend forgiveness to others, then in turn receive forgiveness for ourselves. And, and I love in Matthew chapter 6, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are indebted to us. Or in other words, help us to forgive those who have harmed us. God, help me to forgive that person who has sinned against me and help me to receive forgiveness from you, God. Help me to receive forgiveness from you. The problem with our culture today is that we're a culture of keeping score. And maybe you've done this with someone closest to you. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone at work. Is that we like to keep score and, and hold things against one another. Why should I forgive that person? Because that person has wronged me. Why should I extend love and, and, and offer this, this open glimpse of rec reconciliation when it's that person's fault? Have you ever said that? Well, I don't think I should say sorry first. That person should say sorry first. And for whatever it is, what that means is that this reconciliation is contingent upon what someone else does. 
But there's a power of forgiveness that says, you know what? Forgiving others does not depend on what the other person does. Forgiveness can start from you and with you with the power of God working and softening our hearts and to offer it to the person no matter what to begin reconciliation. See, we've been convinced that if that person has hurt you, then you have to hurt them back. If that person uh, ignores you or has wronged you or gossiped about you, then what do we do? We do the same thing back. And and what Matthew chapter 6 is teaching us, what Jesus is teaching us is saying, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God works differently. It's upside down. We live in a culture where it's all about keeping score and restitution and punishment and consequences. But the kingdom of God is upside down. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray this. God, help me to forgive that person with no ifs, ands, or buts. Help me to forgive that person regardless of if they even apologize to me first or not. Whether that person forgives me or not. Whether that person receives my forgiveness or not. It doesn't matter. Because we have the power to choose to forgive. Now there's two words uh, in this part of the Lord's Prayer that I want us to look at. And, And the two words is forgiveness and debt. Now, the way that uh, Matthew, the writer, uses the word debt is uh, all-encompassing. It's about financial debt, because oftentimes people owed money or land to somebody else. So there could be a financial debt. There could be a spiritual debt to God because we have sinned, because we have turned away from God's way. Now that uh, at that point, then we are indebted. To God, especially in ancient Jewish practice. That's why there's Day Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. There's forgiveness and sacrifice because there's a debt that needs to be repaid. There's personal debt to one another. As in, I've wronged you, my neighbor, and now I'm indebted to you. I've stole from you. I've hurt you. I've destroyed something that's yours. Debt. And then there's this word to forgive. It's this Greek word, aphes. And the Greek word, aphes, to forgive, means to release, to cancel, to pardon. And I love that idea of releasing. Because oftentimes, again, if we believe that forgiveness depends on the other person, we have misunderstood about what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is about us letting go and releasing the debt that someone owes us. Now, again, debt, especially in the first century in the ancient Near East, was a serious thing. Restitution was always, always required. And not only restitution, but, but it was oftentimes in the form of interest, where not only do I have to give back what I owe you, but I have to give you more than I owe you to make up for it. Oftentimes people were in, uh, in debt with, with obviously money and land. And here's the deal, and if you couldn't pay off your debt in this shame and honor culture, you wouldn't just run away from it. You wouldn't just pretend it, wouldn't, it doesn't exist because you can't, and we know that here today. 
you would have to pay back. And if you couldn't pay back, you would have to pay back with your own service. You would be enslaved to that person. Or maybe that wasn't enough, so now you have to bring in your whole family. You and your whole family becomes, become enslaved physically, manually, to the people that you owe debt to. So debt was a serious thing, especially in the first century. You would literally give up your life in order to repay it. And again, not only would you repay it of what you owe, but you would even give more. And yet Matthew was saying that we all understand what debt means. You understand what debt means. Of course, we all understand what it means financially. We even know spiritually. We know personally because we've harmed anybody. And we've received harm from others. I mean, think about that right now. Think about the ways that someone has harmed you. And in this room, we have been harmed big and small. And maybe when I, think, when I say the word out loud, when I say the word forgiveness out loud, it's triggering because it, it reminds us of the anger and the resentment I have or you have for somebody who has have done deep harm to you. Or, or maybe it's the other way, because remember this prayer that we pray that Jesus teaches us is about giving away forgiveness, but also receiving forgiveness from God. And, and I've heard so many stories of one side or the other. I have such a hard time forgiving that person, Prentice, because that person has so, done so much harm to me. But I've also heard the other side. It's easy for me to forgive the other person. But it's so hard to forgive myself. Prince, you don't know the history of what I've done. I've really hurt, and I'm severely indebted. If we want to use the word debt, I'm severely indebted to somebody I've done so much damage to. I'm indebted to God, Prentice. You don't understand what I've done, the history and the mistakes that I've made. I'm indebted to God. There's a chasm between me and God with this debt. There's a chasm between me and people and really even to myself because of the mistakes and the dumb things that I've done in my life. Prentice, you don't understand. I have a lot of debt. Again, debt isn't just financial. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's personal, it's communal, and it creates a chasm, this barrier, and saying, I have a lot of that with somebody else. And, and God is saying, I understand that. But the kingdom of God isn't like what we are today. We don't keep score, we don't make tally marks, we don't see who's ahead. In the same way as the first century, we don't... Uh, we don't have to keep track of what someone has, has done, done to you, and therefore you got to make up to them. The restitution doesn't look the same. In fact, instead of restitution, instead of giving yourself away to be their slave, instead of giving them what you owe and more, guess what the kingdom of God offers? The kingdom of God is about release and to cancel and to forgive. I mean, that is powerful. That is countercultural. 
And so to offer forgiveness for the person who has harmed you or for you to forgive yourself or to receive God's forgiveness in our own lives is to be countercultural then in the first century and even today. Forgiveness is possible. Don't let the world teach you otherwise or fool you with lies of, of consequences. Restitution. Now, as we talk about forgiveness, I want to talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Firstly, forgiveness is available to all. Now, for some of us, this is good news and bad news. Because God has forgiven us, then we are to forgive others. But you have to understand, when God says to forgive, it means to forgive your neighbor, and when they ask, who is my neighbor, Jesus replies, everybody is your neighbor. If you need to forgive, that forgiveness is for everybody. And for a lot of us, we kind of determine and define who forgiveness is for. Well, I want to forgive God. Will you forgive me? Thank you. Well, I want to forgive the person that I like. Yeah, I might forgive some family members. But surely forgiveness is not for the person who looks different than me. Surely forgiveness is not for the person who voted differently than me. Well, surely forgiveness is not offered for people that think differently than me. It's kind of a hard concept to grasp. God forgives you, and therefore we should forgive others, but that forgiveness is not limited. Just like God's forgiveness for us is not limited. What does that mean even practically? It means for myself, I hear stories uh, of even something that I feel passionate about, something that I've, I've experienced myself is, is racism, whether it's on a systemic level, even a personal level. And so for me, what that looks like is, you know what? The person that has harmed me I mean, I'll never forget even in high school, middle school, elementary school, all stages of my school, I've experienced racial harm. Even as an adult, I've experienced racial harm, racism. And as much as I don't want to, I, I know that God is saying, you know what? Forgiveness is not just for you, Prentice, but forgiveness is even for the person that you despise or the one that, who has done so much harm to you. And I push back on that because I, God, how could you forgive that person? I'm not going to forgive that person. You want me to forgive that person? And the answer is yes. Forgiveness is for everybody. Secondly, forgiveness, again, we talked about this, is, it's as much about ourselves as it, is, as it is the one we are forgiving. To release, to pardon does something to our own souls that's not contingent upon how the other person responds. And sometimes we forget that. What, this quote that Nelson Mandela says is that harboring bitterness is like drinking poison ourselves, believing it harms the other person. You see, when we refuse to forgive, it feels like, well, I'm teaching that person a lesson. 
well, no, I'm not going to forgive that person. Silent treatment, anger, resentment, cutting off, whatever it is. Well, I'm not going to approach that person, especially until they approach me first. Ha-ha, I've showed them. But what that quote is reminding us is that actually the harm is in your own souls. It's decaying with the poison of bitterness and resentment. And so when we offer forgiveness, when we release the thing that has been just grasping at our souls, when we just release that, it's much less about the person you're forgiving. It's much more about yourself, the forgiver. There's a sense of breath. Thirdly, forgiveness is a commitment not to hold on. And again, many of us, we've experienced this. I've done this myself. You say you forgive somebody. You release somebody. But really, you don't actually release somebody. You kind of hold on a little bit until it's convenient to bring that back. Now, I think history is important. I think patterns and, and learning is important. But oftentimes, instead of forgiving and releasing, we say that we are, we hold on a little bit, and when it's time to use it as ammunition, we use it to hang it over someone's head or to weaponize what someone did that we claim to have forgiven, but maybe we didn't because we're still holding on and using it against the other person. That's not what forgiveness looks like. Yes, it is to look at patterns. Yes, it is to uh, remember the ways that you're harmed to protect yourself. But it isn't to use it to weaponize or harm again in return the other. So forgiveness is available to everybody. And when I say everybody, it's everybody, even the people that you most despise. And that's not coming from me. That's coming from Christ. It's coming from the scriptures. Forgiveness is much about ourselves that is, as it is about the other. God, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's about understanding that God has forgiven us, and therefore we should do that to others, and it's to not to hold on to the grudge, to the bitterness that we harbor. It's to really release and let go. It doesn't mean it'll be instant. It doesn't mean that it'll be even soon. But it is to say I'm committed to releasing and canceling this because God has done that for me. Now, what is forgiveness not? Number one, forgiveness is not ignoring boundaries. And this should be a whole sermon in and of itself. But forgiveness doesn't mean that you approach the person who has harmed you, especially if it's severe harm, and to say, you know what, I'm going to let you back into my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, hang out with you more. I'm going to give you more of my time and investment. No, you shouldn't do that. I don't know everyone's stories. I don't know everyone's situations. But there are times where you set boundaries. That even happened in the scriptures. Paul even set boundaries as he went on different missions. Dr. Allender, uh, who is a professor and writer, and he's over at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, uh, he gives this illustration where he says, if somebody has muddy shoes, knocks on your door, and you have clean and pristine white carpet, and you let them in, and they come in, and they make a huge mess in your home with muddy shoes, you clean up, 
And as that person leaves, you make a decision. Do you forgive them? Yes, of course. Do you clean up? Yes. Is there a harm? Yes. There's things you have to work on to get that carpet back into place. But if they come knocking again, the question is, do you answer automatically? Do you let them in every single time? And Dr. Allender would say, no, you don't. It doesn't mean you lock the door. It doesn't mean you move away. It doesn't mean you say, hey, go away. It means you can ask more questions. You can be curious. Hey, did you wash your feet or did you wash your shoes? No? All right, until you do, you can't come in. Hey, are you willing to change? Are you willing to take off your shoes? No. Well, until then, you can't come in. It's until they say, okay, I'm going to take off my shoes. Or yes, I've washed my shoes. They're clean. I won't make a mess. Then perhaps it's an opportunity for you to reconcile. So forgiveness, yes, it's available, but it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with everybody the next day. In fact, there are times where you shouldn't be. In fact, again, if you've experienced harm, if you need maybe a counselor or, or maybe you need someone to work this through, please let us know we have resources. I'm not going to pretend to be a professional therapist. I'm not. But I can make connections or I can introduce you to people that can help you navigate what boundaries can look like in your life and with others. It's important. Number two, forgiveness is not a guarantee for reconciliation. Again, reconciliation is the goal. God says that we're all uh, in the ministry of reconciliation. We've all been tasked with the ministry of reconciliation. So that is the goal for us to be reconciled, where two become one. And yet, oftentimes, we forget this, and we get angry over this. And we say something like, uh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And the other person would either say no, because that's her prerogative, or I can't, or maybe later, or I have to think about it, or yes, but still I create boundaries. And sometimes our response, instead of fully surrendering, it's getting angry. Because we've used and manipulated the tool of forgiveness for our own gain, to either uh, to avoid conflict, to bring that person back into your life because for some reason you want that. And if that doesn't happen and you get angry, have we actually released them? Have we actually forgiven them? Have you ever forgiven someone or apologized to someone and they didn't really receive it well and then you get angry again? Or, or maybe that person, uh, you know, doesn't act the same around you or gives you the silent treatment or, again, has boundaries. And you say, what is your problem? I said I was sorry. Why are you still behaving this way? I, I, I said, I'm sorry, you said you forgive me. And maybe that person doesn't want to reconcile. So forgiveness doesn't guarantee a reconciliation, but it does guarantee a freedom in our own souls as we release that bitterness and that guilt or that shame or whatever it is. And that also means that if that person does not want to reconcile, you accept that. 
if that person isn't ready at the time, you release your control and say, when you're ready. Or maybe, worse comes to worse, you get to a point where you release your control over the situation, over that person, and you say, blessings to you. As we go our own different paths. Reconciliation doesn't ignore boundaries, but it also doesn't guarantee a reconciliation, especially a reconciliation on your timeline, because it's about surrendering. That even means surrendering the person rather than trying to take control over how that person reacts. God's given you agency over yourself, and that's it. Thirdly, forgiveness is not an excuse to remain unchanged. This is happening in real life, and I oftentimes, or every time I try to ask permission to my wife for stories, but... Uh, so forgive, forgive me if, if this upsets you, but uh, oftentimes, well, it's more about me, okay? It's more about me. Oftentimes, I have this habit of bringing something out and forgetting to put it back. And so oftentimes, I leave a trail, like Maria knows where I've been because I leave a trail of stuff, whether it's a wrapper, whether it's a, <laughs> a sock, or whether it's a t-shirt, and there's like a trail. You know where I've been because I leave stuff around. And, and she pleads with me, like, could you just put your stuff away? I'm like, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. And then I'll put it away for that day. And the next day, that trail returns. Would you please put your stuff away? Yes, I'm so sorry. And I, and I put it away. And then there's moments where she's like, would you please, for the last time, put stuff away? And I said, yes, I will. Why are you so upset? I said I'm sorry, and I, I'm sorry, and I'll put stuff away. But it becomes a point where the trust is not there because just because I say sorry and ask for forgiveness, it doesn't mean that I have the permission to remain unchanged. When you ask for forgiveness... When you give an apology, it's also a commitment that you are willing to change. When Jesus and the scriptures talk about confession and repentance, those go hand in hand, but they're not the same. Confessing is naming that we have sinned, that we have debt, that we have done harm to somebody. That's confession. We're confessing it. Repentance literally means changing of ways. Are doing a full 180. They work hand in hand and saying, I confess, I'm sorry I did this. And then repentance means, then I will change. And God has not only called us to confess, but also to repent. So forgiveness is not about ignoring boundaries. It's not a guarantee for, re for, for reconciliation. So let go of your control over that person. And only take agency for what you can control, which is yourself and your relationship and your spirit with God. And again, forgiveness is not an excuse to remain unchanged. And lastly, the challenge for all of us is this, is to accept God's forgiveness in your life. 
is to truly accept God's forgiveness in your life because with that, you have the power to release forgiveness, debt, pardon, the ways of when other people hurt you. And so as I invite the worship team back up, maybe I just want to end with this simple question. Is there a name in your heart that you are having a hard time forgiving? Is there a people, maybe it's an organization or a group, that you are having a hard time forgiving? Apprentice, I just can't release this bitterness towards this person a family member perhaps. And I just want to say this. God gives you strength through the power of the Spirit to release what is just aching at your soul. And again, forgiveness doesn't mean to ignore what they've done. Doesn't mean to ignore boundaries, and sometimes it means to set boundaries. But it does mean saying, I've received God's forgiveness, and therefore I will forgive you. I will release you of that debt. Let's all, if you can just close your eyes for a second, and just go into this space. Maybe that person that you can't forgive is yourself. And it sounds so contrite, or it sounds like such a platitude when I say God forgives you, but for many of us, we need to hear that because it's so darn hard to believe. God forgives you. May that change everything. May that change the way you extend forgiveness to others. Let's put the poison of bitterness down because the only person that, that that's harming is ourselves. God, we thank you that you have forgiven us so sacrificially on the cross on Good Friday. And you resurrected from death. And so God, may we experience that life in areas where there's darkness, in relationships, where there's death, where there's a chasm. May you bring resurrection into that. May you bring resurrection into our own souls that, have, that has been quenched by the poison of resentment. God, help us to receive your forgiveness and help us to forgive others with the radical forgiveness you've given us. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's continue in worship.